Well, welcome to church, everybody. So glad that you tuned in to hear a word from God. We know God is going to speak to you in a profound and powerful way. If you haven't already, go ahead and share the feed. I want to give a big shout out to all of our campuses that are tuning in. Hello, Wilkett. Hello, New York City. And hello, New Milford. And everybody watching in the virtual world, we are so glad that you're with us today. If you have your Bible, would you take it out? If you haven't already, share that feed. It's so important. Sharing is caring. Hold your Bible up nice and high. Say it out loud with me. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God's destined me to be. Amen. I know you all sound great. Would you remain standing in honor of God's word? Second Timothy chapter number three, verse number two, a scripture that we've looked at often in this series. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Then Luke chapter number 17, second scripture, uh, verse number 11 says, Now it happened that as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And there he entered into a certain village where he met 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And it was so that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Today we turn our attention once again in our series Alternate Universe, which unfortunately is still a phrase that appropriately describes the world that we are living in as we process through the election results. And today I want to minister to you on the subject, turn back. Isn't that what we need to do right now? Turn back to the Lord, turn back to Jesus, turn back to his ways, turn back to the principles of the Bible. It's a word for everyone right now in the atmosphere that we are in. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to our hearts? Would you minister by your word? Would you uh, minister through Uh, the airwaves and through the internet and through wherever people are watching from, would you speak to their hearts? Would you encourage them? Would you build them up? In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. As we come to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, a text that we have visited often in this series to look at the signs that the Holy Spirit says will be indicators that we are living in the end of the age. I want to turn our attention to the phrase, men will be lovers of money. Notice again the text, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. 
Last time we looked at this text, we looked at the phrase lovers of themselves. And we said that this was an inordinate love for yourself. It was an affection for yourself that goes beyond what is spiritually healthy. That God wants each and every one of us to indeed love ourselves, but not to be in love with ourselves. And in a similar way, the second sign the Holy Spirit gives us that we're living in the end times. He says that that men will be lovers of money. Now, when you look at this in the original language, it's the Greek word which means to be covetous. And its meaning is similar to loving oneself. Normally, when the word phileo used here to love oneself, love is phileo, this describes a love or a fondness or an attraction that is romantic, something that is feelings for somebody else. In other words, it's a profound love directed towards somebody else. And it's odd when the Holy Spirit puts that word with loving an object. And here he says that that men in the last days, and that means all human beings, will have this extraordinary fondness. Listen to it. These, these romantic feelings, if you will, for money. We don't need to point out all of the examples of this in our current climate. They are clear and they are all over the place. It's obvious that this is something that is, 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 is a malady in our world right now. But God cautions us as his children to stay immune from it. Right now, people are doing things like taking the flu shot because they want to be immune from the flu. They're trying to find the vaccine for COVID because they want to be immune from COVID. Well, God today wants to give us a vaccine so that we'll be immune from becoming lovers of money in the last days. And this is a caution God gives all throughout Scripture, not to love money. Uh, Psalm 62, verse number 10 says, If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Don't don't be in love with the wealth. Don't be in love with the treasure. Don't be in love with the riches. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice the very specific language that the Holy Spirit uses in this verse. It's not money by itself that is evil. It is the love of money that is evil. Matter of fact, the scripture is clear that God didn't have a problem with money. Matter of fact, when you look at the scripture, it clearly teaches us that God wants to prosper his children. Psalm 35 verse 27 says, He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so God doesn't have a problem with money. The caution is not to be in love with money. When you look into the scriptures, God prospered many of his servants in big ways. Abraham, David, Solomon gave him the greatest wealth that anybody has ever seen according to the scripture. But there was a reason why God gave Solomon that wealth. God appeared to Solomon and he said, ask whatever you want. And whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon, he had the opportunity to, you know, it was almost like God was that genie in the bottle that so many of us make him, which we shouldn't. And he has the opportunity to ask God anything. And most of us would have asked for the, you know, the things that, that are always foremost on our hearts and mind. God, give us long life. God, give us health. God, give us happiness. God, give us wealth. God, give us all these things. That God, you know, give me my enemies. We would have asked for those things. But Solomon doesn't ask for any of those things. 
Solomon asked for wisdom in order to fulfill the will of God and rule the people that God made him king over. And because Solomon's focus, because his love wasn't on things, God says this. He says, because you haven't asked for all the things people normally ask for you, I have given thee what you have not asked for, both riches and honor. And so we can see that there's a clear principle in Scripture, and the clear principle is if we don't love money, God wants to bless us with money. Money is not to be something that we seek. It's not to be something that we base decisions on. It's not to have the preeminence in our life. It's not the thing that we're supposed to seek after everything else in life. Matter of fact, when we seek after God, the Scripture is clear that he will automatically bless our lives with wealth and treasure and riches and all those things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And the things that God promises in the context to add to our lives is all the things that the world seeks after. Those are the riches. Those are the treasures. Those God says you don't have to seek after those things. Seek after me, and I'll take care of you in that area of your life. And so the principle of Scripture is clear. Listen to it carefully. Don't love money because it will cause you to hate God. Do love God and He'll cause you to have money. Let me say it again. Don't love money. It'll cause you to hate God. Do love God and He'll cause you to have money. And the second part of that principle, if you just back up a few verses in Matthew to verse 24, says this, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so that's the first part of the principle. Don't love money. It'll cause you to hate God, but do love God and he'll cause you to have money. This is all about directing our affection, phileo, toward the one who matters most, and that is our Heavenly Father. And so I want us to remember this caution, and I want us to flip over to our second text, the story about the ten lepers, and I want to give you some tips for how to ensure that you are not lovers of money in these last days. Now, I know when we go over to this text, the story of the ten lepers, nobody looks at this text as a uh, text that gives us tips for how not to love money. I know this text is really more about God's unmerited love for us and our unrequited love for Him. Matter of fact, if you go through the text, you realize that He loves ten lepers, ten ostracized, ten overlooked, ten outcasted, ten marginalized, ten labeled, ten quarantined, ten dirty, ten diseased, ten according to their society that were undeserving people, and he loves them anyway. These people were thought to have the most contagious horrible disease in Bible times. It was thought to be punishment for sin in their life, and yet God loves them anyway. The example is this. The lepers are supposed to be us. It's supposed to be us in our sin condition, us being cut off and Christ coming to us anyway, Christ loving us anyway, Christ reaching out to us while we were in our sin. The story is about God's unmerited love for us. And if you look at it even deeper, this notice where he finds the lepers. He goes through Samaria. 
Samaria was a place that no Jews would even step foot on. They considered if they got dust from Samaria on their feet that they were dirty. But Jesus goes to Samaria to find these 10 lepers. This is a type of God leaving heaven and coming to earth for you and I. This is a story that is supposed to be about God's unmerited love toward us, but it's also a story on the surface about our human faults and frailties, and more specifically, our unrequited love toward Him. First, look at the way it talks about our human faults and frailties. Uh, Notice the 10 lepers gathered together in community. And even though they were outcasted from the rest of society, and this speaks to our drive as human beings, our fault, our frailty as human beings to normalize our dysfunction. You see, leprosy was not normal. It was horrible. It was unwanted. It was a painful, slow death. But in order to cope with their condition, the 10 lepers formed a colony. This this speaks to how we as human beings would rather gather around people who normalize our dysfunction than deal with our diseases. It it shows how we want people who agree with us in life, right, life rather than just to find out that we may be wrong in a situation. This story really highlights, it magnifies our human faults and frailties. It also magnifies our human faults and frailties because notice it says they stood afar off and yet they shouted out for the Savior. This is supposed to be a type of how you and I, even though sometimes we're not all in, sometimes we're we're far off from Christ, we have the audacity, God, I don't really want to be all in. God, I don't really want to serve you. God, I don't really want to, you know, live by my faith if it contradicts my political affiliation. God, I don't want to be all in, but even though we're far off, we shout out, God, help me. God, God, do me a solid. God, God, show up in my life. This story is all about Jesus's unmerited love for us, our human faults and frailties, but then it kind of ratchets up a notch. And the story gets into our unrequited love toward him. It takes it to a whole nother level. And in so doing, it gives us an example, several examples about how not to love money. And you say, pastor, where in the world is that? Let me give you a few things. Three tips I want to give you from the story, how not to be lovers of money in the end times. The first thing is we need to turn our tithe toward Jesus. Now I know some of you are thinking only a pastor could see a tithe in that text. Well, well, stay with me. Just for one moment, let me ask you a few questions. How many lepers were there? Ten. How many lepers turned back toward Jesus? One. One One-tenth is what the Bible calls a tithe. It's the first 10% of all our financial increase that we honor God with and, and we worship Him with and saying to Him, we appreciate, we're grateful, we notice the grace that you've poured out on our life. Let me show you this in a deeper way by breaking down the story for you. The lepers, they shout out to the Savior standing afar off for mercy. They ask him for mercy. This was a cry for them to be clean of their leprosy, symbolic of our cry to be clean from our sin. And Jesus responds. He says to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, why would Jesus send them to the priest when he could have healed them and cleanse them himself. 
Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, in Bible times, the way that a priest would cleanse somebody of leprosy is they would rub the ashes of a red heifer on the person with leprosy. Now, up until this moment in the story, or specifically from the days of Moses to the building of the second temple, there had only been nine red heifers sacrificed. Matter of fact, Jewish scholars right now are waiting to find a tenth red heifer, very rare in our time, in order to build the final temple in Jerusalem and usher in the return of the Messiah. So Jesus sends them to the priest so that the priest could cleanse them with the ashes of a red heifer. But that's not really why Jesus sends them to the priest. Although they're looking to be cleansed, Jesus is looking to make them whole. Let me say that again. Although they're looking to be cleansed, Jesus is looking to make them whole. Like us, they just wanted relief from their problems so they could live their best life. But Jesus wanted to give them freedom in their soul so they could have eternal life. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Verse 14b. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Let me interrupt the story to say to somebody who wants God to do it before you go, that God often does it in your life as we go. God, we, we often want God, God, you know, heal me and then I'll serve you. God, fix my marriage and then I'll forgive. God, God, do this for me and then I'll follow through on my faith. And God is saying to us all the time, it's not before you go that I often do it, but it's as you go that I often do it. Sometimes in life, we've got to walk it out. And as we walk it out, that's when God steps into our situation. I mean, think about these lepers. Think of the faith that it took to walk it out. When we walk it out, that's our step of faith. Think about the faith that these lepers had walking through the community to go to the priest while the community is shouting, unclean, unclean, walking on two toes maybe, walking with missing fingers, walking with a face that looked like the elephant man. Here's what God wants to encourage you with. He wants you to know that you can do it with even less than you were born with. You can do it with less than you're supposed to have. If you will walk it out, God will show up in a big way in your life. And so as they went, they were cleansed. The leprosy lifted, the fingers grew back, the toes came back. Just heard God say, tell somebody it's coming back. Walk it out, it's coming back. The 10 that stood afar off and shouted to the Savior for their answer, got their answer. Happy day, they're cleansed. But Jesus wasn't just after cleansing them. Jesus on the outside, Jesus was after cleansing them on the inside. Didn't just want to give them physical healing only, but spiritual healing. And there is only one revelation that can make us whole, and that is, who is Jesus? Check this out, verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice he glorified God, fell down on his uh, his face, at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now, wait a second. Jesus told them to go to the priest, but one of the ten turned back to give him thanks. What happened? 
Nine went to the old covenant priest. One turned back to the new covenant high priest. Nine went to the priest who oversaw the law. One came back to the high priest who oversaw God's grace. Nine did not get the revelation of who it was that healed them as they went. One was struck by the sudden realization that indeed he was the Savior. One of ten got the revelation of who he was. One of ten saw that he was the high priest of their salvation. The true high priest who would not just cleanse them with the ashes of a red heifer, but with his very own blood. One of ten realized that maybe he was the tenth red heifer, the final ultimate sacrifice. And so one of ten turned back to Jesus. What am I telling you? A tithe of the group turned back to Jesus. Church, when we tithe, when we turn one-tenth of our financial increase back to Jesus, it is a reminder of who we owe the glory to for not cleansing us on the outside, but cleansing us on the inside. It is a declaration that we are grateful that in Christ, God has done for us through grace what the law could not do for us through works. The tithe is not obedience to the law. It is a celebration of the grace that saved us and set us free from the law. The tithe is the evidence that we have the revelation of what Christ has done. And listen, and the tithe ensures that we will not be lovers of money because it reminds us to love God first and foremost. And so number one, if in these end times we're going to heed God's caution not to be lovers of money, we need to turn the tithe Back to Jesus. But number two, we need to take personal inventory. Did you notice this with me? Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Notice the phrase, one of them, when he saw, he took notice. I could say, he took personal inventory. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says it this way. Examine yourself, whether you be in faith, prove your own selves. The word examine here refers to an intense examination. It refers to an examination either by fire, based on extremely hard questions, or self-examination. I don't know about you, but I'd rather go through self-examination than be under the fire of tough questions be under the fire of literal fire. Think about one of these 10 lepers. He's, he's examining himself. Can you see it with me? He, he's kicking off his shoes going, I got big toes again. He, he's, he's taking off the stuff that was covering his hands because he feels his fingers coming back and he's, he's got 10 digits again on his, on his hands. He's asking for a mirror. Look at me, I actually am handsome. He's examining himself. How do we ensure that in these end times, we're not lovers of money, or for that matter, lovers of self. We, we examine ourselves. We, we ask ourselves some questions. What do I give financially to God's work? If someone were to examine my checkbook, would it be apparent that I love God? Or would it be apparent that I, that I love my own interest and my own stuff more? What, do, what does my spending reveal about me? Do I love hobbies and non-essentials more than I love the gospels, the gospel? What do I do with my time? Is it primarily spent 
on, on myself only or is it spent serving God and, and others? What exactly do I do to serve others when I pray? Do I pray about my own needs exclusively and almost always or do I pray about the needs of other people? The Bible teaches us that if we're not going to be lovers of self and lovers of money, we need to examine ourselves whether we be in faith. And church, this is one of the reasons why every year we do a special offering. It's, it's to make sure that, that God is always first and that we're blessing others with our generosity. It's why this year we're going to take five community groups and we're going to be a blessing to them because we want to make sure that we love people with our money instead of being lovers of money. Last thing I want to give you, how do we make sure that we are not lovers of money in these last days? We talk to God about the other nine. Verse number 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Church, it's great that that many of us honor God, and I want to thank you so much for your faithfulness. And by the way, this is not a message because we need money, because you guys have been so faithful. This is a message because the Bible says that in the end times, people will be lovers of money. And I don't want us to fall into those traps. And, and so many of us, we honor God on a regular basis. And thank you so much for your faithfulness in this area with your tithe and your offering. And we think, oh, we, we've done it. We've given God our tithe. But here's what God wants us to know, that, that the other nine also belong to God. Whenever I tithe, I, I always think God is saying to me, the other nine are mine. See, we think, oh, this one's just God's. No, no, it's all God's. It all belongs to him. Everything that God has entrusted us with, he's the one that gives us the power to get wealth. He's the one that that brings us every good thing that we possess. And so if we are not going to be lovers of money in these last days, we need to talk to God, not just about the tithe, but the other nine as well. We need to ask him, God, what do you want to do through me with what you've entrusted to me. Let me say that again. God, what do you want to do through me with what you've entrusted to me? We have watched this election season insane amount of money pour in to support, support and advance political platforms. Hundreds of millions of dollars dumped on certain races all by themselves. I don't know about you, but I for one feel better about not advancing the political cause of a nation but advancing the spiritual cause of a nation. And God knows right now our answer is not in politics. Our answers may be in our pulpits. Our answers may be in our churches. Our answers may be in how we challenge people, not just politically, but more important, spiritually. Let's all be prayerful. God, how do you want to use what you've entrusted to me? How do you want to do through me what what you've entrusted to me? to me. God, those other nine, they're yours too. Friends, let's all be prayerful in a couple weeks here on the 14th and 15th. We have an opportunity to do just that. I know you guys will be faithful, but more importantly, let's make sure that in these end times, we guard our hearts against being lovers of money because that's one of the characteristics we don't want to be labeled with. Before we say goodbye, I want to ask you if you've done with your life what that one leper did with his life. He turned and went to Jesus. Have you turned and gone to Jesus? The word turn is literally the word that the Bible translates repent. It means to turn from, to go in the exact opposite direction, to turn 
from our sin and turn to the only one who could give us freedom and forgiveness from our sin. Is that you? Have you turned your life over to Jesus Christ? If you haven't, today's your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't you dare wait another day. Salvation is for you right now. And I want to lead you in a little prayer that will help you give your life to Christ. If that's you, would you say this with me? Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sins and I'll never be the same as I put my faith in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family of God. I want you to reach out to us. You can do it by clicking the little button on the screen that says, I gave my life to Jesus or writing Jesus in the chat. And one of us will reach out to you to help you in your journey with Jesus. I want you to know I love you so much. And let's make sure that we love God more than we love money. I'll see you again soon. God bless you.